Last week, if you, if you raised your hand and you've got something on your hand there and your marriage is perfect, please stand. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> By default, I'm standing, so I have a perfect bride and we've got a perfect relationship. But no, um, it is a great thing to be a part of. And I would encourage you, as Todd said, investment, 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 investment. And uh, frankly, I have been stirred by uh, Paul Tripp in, when it comes to marriage in such a way that it, it has uh, provoked me to learn more about myself. And here's the thing. If you go to it to try to get your partner changed, you're missing everything. But if you go to it and say, Lord Jesus, how are you going to change me? You'll gain much. So keep that in mind. So if, you, uh, if you're just your first Sunday, we've been going through a series called Live the Life, and it has gone, come after our January series of Life Together, and our church is going through uh, sort of one life group together, and we're learning about living the life. And so we started in January about uh, what it means to assemble, to be together, to encourage one another. Even last week, we discussed encouragement. There's a lot of repetitive things here because we have hard heads. Thank you, Mark. We have hard heads. And so sometimes the Bible and things in being reminded to us, we have to constantly let it drip into our heads that these are things that we need, and there are consequences if we do not have those things. So uh, marriage conference isn't there to tell you what you're doing wrong. It's saying if you don't work towards it, there are consequences for not working at it. And, and you want to go with the benefit and the blessing and not be motivated by the curse. Some of you are motivated by, you know, fire and, and judgment and stuff like that. That's not what we want. We want you to be motivated by God's blessing and promises. And he has that for you. So in last week, uh, in our life groups, we discussed three simple things. Uh, show up. It's the first one, show up. And that can apply to Sunday morning. Show up, just come, be committed. The second one is join in. Actually, enter into the conversation. Don't just sit there like a rock. Maybe the first week, that's fine. Uh, but join in and then be real. And that takes time. That takes a lot of time. And so one of the ways I want you to think about this, since we're talking marriage conference, is I want to just give you a brief overview of, of how I got married. Uh, I, my wife's looking up, oh dear Lord. Uh, so I was painting a house in Oxford. Does anyone know Dr. Schakowsky? You might know him, Myron. He, works, he did my knee. Uh, he worked on my knee. Uh, but his wife, Allison, she met me. And I was a, a painting contractor, and in the summer, I, I mean, in the school year at Liberty, and I came back and would, would do houses. And she met me and everything, and, and she had a motive when she met me, was that her, uh, it was, it, I call it a nanny, but they call you something, it was a nanny, yeah, she was a nanny, I don't know, they have this European word that's sort of, yeah, au pair, but whatever you call it, she was a nanny, and she was there, and Allison was like, you have got to meet this guy. And so uh, I call on the phone. If any of you have done contracting work, let me just tell you, if you are a housewife, don't tell the contractor what the other contractors did, okay? You're just sort of giving, you're tilting the hand. She didn't care. She was like, 
so-and-so's doing it for this, so-and-so's doing it for this, what will you do it for? I dropped it by $100, sold. It was done, right? And her whole motive was to get the two of us together. And so we began, I had a partner, we were out there and it was hot, they had a big wood-stained house and Laura started bringing the kids around. You know, and, and it was, and uh, this one point it was, I think it was uh, around Easter time, she brought Easter eggs up, and it was sort of weird and awkward because she brought me an egg. The kids handed me an egg, but not my partner. You know, and so it was like, all right, all right. You know, that's very telling. You know, and so uh, it, it got up, and Allison, she kept going, you need to ask him out, you need to ask him out. And this is from her story behind it. And so finally, I'm there, and Allison, in front of me, and her look to Lauren said, when are you going to ask him? You know, and I'm sitting there just like, yeah, when are you going to ask me? What do you got to ask me? And so she asked me out. Yeah, you know, <laughs> she asked me out. And uh, to be honest, I, I thought she was cute, sort of like Rudolph. But, uh, you know, it's just like, you know, it was cool. And so we had our first date. Now, fast forward time, when you are in a relationship, when you begin dating, it's awkward. You know, the first dates, it's awkward, isn't it? You don't really know who this person is. You don't really know their history. You don't know if you're going to do something wrong or not. It's just sort of like, you know, some of you are just like, I don't care. I just am who I am. That's fine. But for me, it's just sort of like, you know, you want it to be right. And so we went out, had a good time. Obviously, you know that the outcome of that, but it takes time. And it takes it takes a fair amount of time to get to know somebody. And it takes a lifetime to develop love, to develop a love. And so one of the things that my pastor said that was wrong when we got married, he was dead wrong. And I, I don't know why, I, I think he meant it right, but it just came across, I can still remember he said, he said, look right now at her coming down the aisle or whatever, she will never be more beautiful than this day. And I can tell you that that was a lie. Oh. <laughs> Ushers. Uh, <laughs> we need to just put a, like an IR beacon on this guy and just light him up. All right. Um, yes. Yeah, it was like, I mean, yeah, it was awesome. And it's like, you know, she's in her gown. She had beautiful flowers, and I can still see. It was literally at the church down the street. I can still see her at the back door, but I didn't love her like I love her today. And I'm not saying that to get, you know, like all warm, but, but it's just the truth. Time develops love. It takes time, and it takes time together, and it takes a little bit of this. Now, yeah, it takes, it takes a couple of some scrapping. Now, not talking physical scrapping, but I'm talking, it takes differences of opinion, and it takes working through that. And so relationships take an investment. And so if Laura and I, who we've been married 25 years, if we're here and we were to tell you that it has been a bunch of roses and everything has been great, we would say no. It hasn't. It has been a roller coaster, but it has gotten progressively stronger, our love for each other. Now, I want to correlate this 
to life together. As a church, as a church, we are called the bride of Christ. We are looked at, and it's sort of, at someday there will be, when Jesus returns, there will be a wedding feast where the wedding, not in a weird way, will be consummated, where all things will be brought new. And when God, and you know, in the old days, when God, um, a, a father would pick, and I'm glad, I'm glad to sit in the case now, but a father, a family would pick for the couple or whatever, but God has chosen people for himself, and he has given a, a bride to Jesus, and we're called to be in preparation. Now, I have never met a, an engaged woman that was not excited and stressed and all that stuff about the preparation for a wedding. And it's a lot of work. True? Mostly on the bride side. It's a lot of work. But the anticipation is, is that work will be a blessing and a benefit for that day. And so life together, living the life, being together is if you are a Christian, you are a part of the family of God. We literally say that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. True or false? We say that, but we say it almost with a caveat sometimes of an excuse where, well, if this person offends me, I'm done. I'm, I'm just out of it. But according to Scripture, they will know us by our love for one another and that God desires to show his glory by our love for one another and our love for one another goes like this but it grows over time it takes investment it takes sacrifice it takes getting offended it takes getting hurt it takes reconciling. It takes forgiveness. It takes reconciling. And, and we are, as a couple, we are living a life, my wife and I, of reconciliation. It, we're never finished that job. We're never finished. And, and it's not like everything, you know, once you're done with one thing, that thing will never come back in the sense of doing it again. I am prone to do the same stupid things over again, and yet God calls us to reconcile, and all I can tell you is that the trust and the love in that grows up, and so as a church, as a people, we are called to live together as brothers and sisters, as the family of God, and we're not allowed to let things get in the way. Are you with me on that? That we're not to, to pick up our ball and run home. That we are not to go, now God may call you somewhere else. This is not me saying that you have to stay here forever. It's not that. God may call you to something, but he does not call you to run away from confrontation and reconciliation. He calls us to it. And so it's important that we get that. And so it is important for us to know what we believe let's say, in the, in the realm of marriage and, and even the marriage conference, what we believe about marriage and what can we do and how are we to be in that? In the same way in living the life, it's, we want to understand what does it mean to be a Christian and to be in relationship with God and one another? That is our question. 
And that is a question that we should always be asking. Husbands, uh, I know we're not, we're not good at this all the time. We should always be asking how we can get to know our spouses better. In the church, we should be asking, how can I deepen the relationships that are around me? I'm not saying you have to know everybody and know all their stuff, but there should be a core of people that you're close to. But we need to show up, and we need to join in, and we need to be real. And so our verse uh, for last week was, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting the meat together, as is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This week, our, our message, if you would, tonight in the men's and women's groups and in the groups throughout the week, it's about pursuing God. So last week, it's about we got to show up, we got to be there, we got to be real, all that stuff. But a commitment as a Christian is that we are also pursuing God. And it does not mean I pursue God on Sunday morning from 10 to 11, 15. It means that we live a life of pursuing God. It is like a husband or a, uh, a man who wants to get engaged pursues uh, his, his bride-to-be. There is a pursuit there that we are called to pursue God and pursue our relationship with him. But we have to ask ourselves, are you convinced, are we convinced in our faith? Do we trust God? Do we really trust him? Is he just an object, a marionette that pulls the strings? Or is he the creator of the universe? Is his word true? Are you convinced? What can cause a lack of understanding and even a break of faith, a, a downplay and loss? Many in this room have experienced loss like I can't understand. And that loss can create a difficulty in believing that God is love and that he's real. Confrontation can cause that. Broken marriages can cause that. Maybe you were married and you thought that your life was going to be great and then things didn't work out like you thought and it was crushing and you questioned God. Is God true? Do I really believe him? Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek them. Are you convinced about that? Are you convinced now, I don't need a verbal answer, but are you convinced that you are 
when you draw near to God that he rewards you. It's not like a, an allowance that he gives you for drawing near, but the relationship and the blessing. Have you had a time when you've pushed in and you tried to draw near and you came up to him and, and it's like, yes. But that maybe was five to 10 years ago and life got in the middle and it got messy and that distance came and fell apart. I'm not here to convict you of that and to make you feel bad, but I'm here to tell you we have to ask ourselves the question, do we believe what we say we believe? Here at Oasis, we say we're biblically anchored. Do you, are you convinced? And do you draw near? We're called to press in to God. And only you know the answer to this And like I say, life can get, hurt can get in the way, confrontation can get in the way, loss can get in the way, fear can get in the way, bad examples of fathers can get in the way. All these things can get in the way with our view of God. Past churches that have hurt you, present churches that have hurt you, all these things can press in and divide, but we are called to step in by faith and draw near to him. And it says that he'll reward us. He'll reward us. Now, the best thing I have, and I know you've heard, many of you have heard me say this before, there is nothing like one of my kids coming up and just giving me a hug or letting me know that they love me. There's just nothing like it. There's nothing like getting a note. There's nothing like getting something. It's just like, I love you. And God is very much the same way. It's not a performance-based relationship. God doesn't need you to perform in order to carry out his will. Can I make that abundantly clear? It it might sound demeaning, and I don't intend it to mean that. God doesn't need me. If I drop dead now, God is going to move and carry out his will regardless. He desires to use me. He desires that I come to him and be an open vessel and be filled by him to be poured out, but he doesn't need me. So we're not like this special operations soldier that has been all trained and, you know, is just can't do without. God can use the least of these. He can use a donkey there in the Old Testament, old Balaam's donkey, and I'll be nice about that word. He can use a donkey to speak. He doesn't need us, but he desires us. He desires relationship with us. He desires to use us. He desires us to be instruments in his hands to do his sovereign work on this earth. And that is a good thing. That is a great thing. Romans 8, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, We're gonna read a little more than is on the screen, so if you wanna follow along, I just want you to, to go to verse 31. Romans 8 is many people's favorite uh, chapter, and it is an awesome chapter, but it is also sandwiched in with some difficult chapters with what it means to continue in sin and what it means to, to live a Christian life and all this, but then it culminates with these great statements. And in 831, it says, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Just graciously give us. Saying God will do this. He'll just graciously give us what we need. And how will he not also, um, uh, who shall bring any charge against God's elect, God's chosen people? It is God who justifies in essence, if, if people say you're a hypocrite, you just say yes. Many times, if people say you're a Pharisee, I just want to say you just should say yes. I, I have been reflecting on the fact that I am the greatest Pharisee in this room. It has been life-changing for me. And it, and it is not a self-beat-down thing. It is just a, a freeing thing that, man, I have been trying to do things and do the right things, but not been doing them fully by, by God's uh, hand. And it has just been a blessing for me. But it is God who justifies. It is not, I'm not justified by my works. And I think we understand that most of you, we are not saved by good works. When I get to heaven, and, and St. Peter, if he were to be there, and I don't believe any of that stuff, but he would be there and he'd say, why would I let you into heaven? And I go, well, I've tried to be a good person. Done. That doesn't work. My righteousness is filthy rags. So I have nothing to bring. Nothing to bring but filthy rags, except for the fact that God justified me through his son, and he clothed me with the riches, very much like the, the prodigal son came home, the father put on a garment on him and put a ring on him, and like, you're my child. I am well pleased in you. And God's like, welcome in. It's God who justifies who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And we have to look at the context of this. Maybe some of us in this room can claim distress. Maybe some can claim tribulation, but there's not many in here that are gonna deal with the other stuff. We have got it pretty good. Can we agree with that? You know, I am, I am, I can be, I make fun of Eeyore Christian, but I can be like that. I can look at what's wrong around me. But dear Lord, we are blessed beyond belief. Just beyond belief. I, I still remember going to Russia before the wall fell, communism when it's in its fullest. And you'd go into grocery stores and they'd have no food. Just empty stuff everywhere. And I came home after a week and a half of not seeing a store. Just a week and a half. And I walked into Shorestop in Centerville. It's not there anymore. I think it's who knows what it is now. I walked into Shorestop, and I grabbed an orange juice from the thing, and I was like to the lady, I can buy an orange juice. You know, she just looked at me like, you know, you're crazy. You know, and then I went into Acme. Oh. You know, we... We have got it made. And some of you go, well, Acme doesn't do that. But if I say Whole Foods or Trader Joe's, oh, you know, it just gets bigger. We all have our idols. Um, but 
We are blessed. So what happens when we're blessed is we begin to focus on things that don't really matter and aren't really points of contention or maybe are even better easily rectified by us loving each other well. You may offend me. I may offend you. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But we're called to reconcile. So when we pursue God in that same way, we are constantly being reconciled to God. And let me be clear about this. Many people, when they go to pursue God, they view how insignificant or how great a sinner they are. I've done it. There's been times where I've been like the dog that ate the bacon. You know, coming to God's like, you know, oh man, here I come again. But that's not how he views it. He wants us to pursue him and be reconciled with us. And he wants us in turn, because he's reconciled with us already, and we are in turn called to reconcile with one another. That is part of living life together. For I am neither, verse 38 says, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things that comes, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. That is a disclaimer. That is a disclaimer like none other. Nothing, not an idiotic, acting, foolish Christian can separate me from the love of God. Not a spouse that has treated me like crap or that I have treated like crap. I mean, don't get me wrong. Well, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, But nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so we are called to not allow things to separate us. To not allow political frustrations to separate us and to get us all wound up. To not allow someone who's let us down to separate us. And we just come and go, God, they are imperfect just like I am, but I am pressing in and pursuing you. Because we cannot control one other person on this earth. Is that truth? We'd like to think we can. We can't. I have a full-time job. There we go again. Trying to work on this guy. Let me see if I can tighten this thing up. nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So here at Oasis, I've said it time and time again, our mission is to make disciples who are reconciled to God and to one another. To God first, reconciled. Am I reconciled? Ultimately, yes, but do I need to come and make things right on my part, yes. Just like I do, I mean, I could say, well, I'm married, so I don't really have to ask Laura for forgiveness because I'm married and I know she's gonna love me anyway. No, still walk through that process. And with each other, we're called to do that. So there are two things that it takes, and we're gonna be talking about this week in life groups. Time and transparency. The things that all of us don't have. Time and transparency. If all you have is an hour and 15 minutes 
to spend with other Christians and delve deeply in Scripture, you are too busy. If you can't make the time to meet with other believers, you are too busy. Or maybe you don't fully believe what God's word says and promises. At the same time, time and transparency doesn't mean, and here let me just give you a good disclaimer, doesn't mean I bring the same old problem and never do anything to fix it. Doesn't mean like I'm just, you know, I just don't do that well. Well, you know, oops, I did it again. I'm not going to sing for you. Uh, I just, like, it's just, and and what are you going to do to change it? Well, nothing. It's just my lot in life. No, we are called with God first to pursue him and to bring it before him, whatever struggle we have, and say, God, this is something that I've got to do business with, that you have got by your spirit to change in me, because I have tried for years, even decades to change. Have you been there? Just like, God, change this. And then you come back a year later, God changed this. But you've held it in and buried it deep. And maybe you've gone uh, to a few people and shared it and shared it and shared it, and they've given you things to do, and you just sort of halfway do it and forget and move on. That is not what it means to pursue God in relationship with him and pursue relationship with other people. We're called to give our time and we're called to be transparent and forgiving and understanding, but we're also called to do serious work together. These life groups are not meant for us to go and just like drop all of our funk all the time and expect that we're gonna be miraculously healed. It is a time for us to share something and be transparent and go, I am struggling with this and I want to do something about it. When um, a, a year or two ago, when I was going through a, a, a big season in my life, just a lot of deep stuff, I did not hold it in. I didn't. And I couldn't have. I absolutely couldn't have. I had to go to other people and I had to take the time and I had to be transparent and I had to be willing to address change in my life. Change is not easy. The older we get, it gets more and more difficult. Anyone was starting to get the gray hair, can you all follow me on that? Change is difficult. But the Bible gives us this this promise that we are called to do life together, to be led by the Spirit and give of our time and be transparent to one another in order to experience freedom in Christ. It's freedom in Christ. Old things are passing away. Behold, all things are becoming new. Don't give up. I just wanna encourage you, I just wanna be like a cheerleader this morning and I'm not a good one. I just want to say, don't give up. Because things haven't worked in the past, maybe you've done it wrong, maybe there's some struggle that, whatever, but maybe God's calling you to take another step of faith and to trust him and to give and to say, and be transparent and ask for help. And I just want to say that we as a church, our vision is to create safe places. So whether it's here on Sunday morning, it's in our Sunday schools or nurseries, 
or in our life groups or in your homes or in your workplace, we want to create safe places for people to do what? Anyone know? Experience the love and grace of Jesus. That is our vision to, to go there, safe places. So when someone comes up to you and they go, man, I just downloaded a bunch of crazy stuff on the internet. We shouldn't flip out and call 911. But we need to address the issue. And we're going to do it lovingly and with grace. You had a spout with your spouse. Maybe you were the biggest idiot in the room. And I've claimed that title multiple times. Maybe you share that that's what you did with a guy or two. I'm not saying in your life group. I'll just like go in there, <laughs> you know, not necessarily that. But sharing those things will help us to live a life together and help us live the life that God's intended for us. So let me ask you a question. What is the problem with not obeying God's word in this. If we, if we believe that, what, that the Bible's true, what are the consequences for not being faithful to what God's called us to? Anybody? Out of step with God? Yeah? Is that a good thing? Like really, on paper, is that what you want to say about your life? Out of step with God, on my tombstone. He was out of step with God. Holy crap. No. What are the consequences? Yes. Yeah, that's a great point. God, who God loves, he chases. So if you're a Christian, you run from him? It ain't going to end well. You ever send that to your kids? You got parents? Yeah, I've looked at This ain't going to end well. Not now. They're too old now. But, it, you know, just... Like, back when they were younger, it's like, it ain't going to go well for you. Excellent. What other reason? What other consequence is it? Say again? Spiritual death. Spiritual death. Yeah, the shrinkage of the spirits. Like, you know, where once you had victory and life inside and it flowed through you, it just begins to, to. He's proud of himself. Let's all clap for Mark. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> So, so let, let's, stay on, let's stay on track here. If we say we believe the Bible and we believe God and we know that we're called to pursue God, and I think most of us in this room would give a yes to that. Let's look at the insanity of saying no to what he commands us to do. And I'm not saying everyone in here is doing that. I'm not saying it. Only you know. Just look at the insanity. God, I'm a little bit brighter than you are. You don't know my situation. And yet there are some theologians who will, who will say that by their life and who will go, he's omnipresent, omniscient, and all these big words, but don't obey the basic principles of Scripture. Do we want to live the life that God has planned for us? 
do we want to know his will? He calls us to be obedient. And how do we do that? First of all, we just pursue him. Church this week, I just want to encourage you, whether you're in a life group or not, that you will pursue Jesus this week. That you'll come to him, you'll acknowledge your faults, and you'll spend time with him, and you'll be in all of him, and then you'll be obedient to whatever he calls of you. And let me tell you, he does call things, ask things of you that you're not going to want to do. Can I get a witness? And some of us avoid getting in those pursuing God relationships because we know he's going to ask us to do what we don't want to do. True or false? Consider the insanity of believing God that created the earth, heavens and the earth, who created us out of dust. He's given us his word. We say we believe it, and we go counter to everything. It's insanity. Pursue God this week. Pursue God in relationship with him and with others. I just want to promise you that he will bless you.